another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin, and we have wrapped up summer scouting for 2024. There are five summer scouting episodes out there. If you haven't checked them out, please do so because this episode will make a lot more sense if you're up to speed on where we are at heading into the 2023 college football season because today, Colin, is a way, way, way Wait, too so early, early. <laughs> mock draft, dynasty rookie mock draft, a first round mock, basically just a way for us to put together the body of work that was the last five weeks and take a look at this upcoming 2024 class of campers in a holistic way. I mean, the summer scouting has been flying by. Yeah. And we're at. I remember we were sitting in the cafe talking about how we wanted season two of Camp Dynasty to go, and I was like nervous about all these players. And here we are diving into the way too early, the way, way too early 2024 mock draft and get all of these names on a board, get it out there into the world, and have our takes forever solidified via graphic. Of course. August. Uh, eighth when it hits your ear holes yes and i like that little look behind the curtain we got people thinking about us as studious wearing glasses <laughs> with comb overs sipping coffee planning I, out the next season i know i normally do wear glasses <laughs> must say so but yeah you're right it's it's flying by college football i mean well the college football world has exploded since the last time we talked here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't th- we don't need to get into all that, but, uh, you know, 2024 season is going to look a little bit different, but yeah. we're still uh, heading into 2023, so everything will be okay for now. Yeah, the Pac-4 and the, the Big 18. <laughs> yeah, who the hell even knows what's happening? The Coastal Conference, the West and the East Coast collide with yeah. Cal and Florida State in the same conference. <laughs> Whatever, man. It's all it's all weird. But uh, I do have one other thing I need to share before we break into this thing because we're moving on to 2024, but we never, ever will forget the shining generational talent that kick-started Camp Dynasty last year in Bijan Robinson and a certain motif that was carried throughout season one of Camp Dynasty was Bijan's mustard brand, Bijan Mustardson. Well, Colin, I have got my hands on a bottle of Bijan Mustardson. And if you are catching us on YouTube, you are seeing a <laughs> bottle of Bijan Mustardson. I will be coming back next week with an official review of Bijan Mustardson. I I cannot believe we've been I mean waiting to get our hands on the Bijan Mustardson for a, a full calendar year almost it feels like and finally you get it as a gift from yeah. your fiance. Right, it's, it's just not a sponsored moment. content. They did not send me anything. I'm not getting paid for this, but you know, hey, if you like my review, feel free, Bijan Mustardson, to reach out to the program. But yeah, so that, what a what a beautiful moment. I I can't wait to. I'm I'm coming down, and I'm trying some of that too yeah. because 
I, you know, I don't have the, the, I'm not liquid enough to afford one of those. But. Yeah. You really got to save sets of money aside to get a bottle of that stuff shipped from you know, Texas. Saving up for a house, saving up for a wedding, you know, I don't got the, the expendable funds to be spending right. on that, that beautiful Dijon mustard, but you know, I'll be sliding down to the apartment, see how it tastes. Hell yeah. So, um, but yeah. All right. 2020 four campers that's what we're talking about mock draft style we did a coin flip i won the coin flip colin but like bill belichick i deferred so it's it's bold yeah what do you think about that i i think it's a a bold choice to just give away the number one pick because i obviously you're deferring to me i'm not gonna be like nah you can have the number no i'm taking the number one pick because there's going to ask me what my strategy is there is no strategy if the strategy is content because we're going to have fun at number two yeah yeah i that's the whole the whole point of this because number one is almost you know wrapped up all said and done already uh, as we've talked about in our rankings episodes so yeah i'll take i'll take the number one pick off of your deferral all right well that means you're kicking things off. The number one overall selection in this way too early 2024 Dynasty Rookie Mock. Colin, you are on the clock. Well, without further ado, Ohio State's Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, he was the best receiver in the nation last year, was robbed of the Blitnikoff. I'm looking at you, Jalen Hyatt. And... I I mean, we're looking at a less crowded wide receiver. Well, it's about the same as last year since JSN was hurt. Uh, so we're looking at basically the same thing, just with no C.J. Stroud. So we'll see if he can replicate or improve on his stats from last year. He'll be a top 10 pick in the draft next year, and we'll be walking in looking at Marvin Harrison Jr. as the next guy in this Ohio state lineage. That's just turning guy after guy out. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's quite as like set in stone as Bijan was, but it's damn close. It's damn close to being that set in stone at this point. You know, we're doing the way, way too early. It's early August here. And yet still, I, it really would be shocking if this season ends and we get through the draft cycle and Marvin Harrison Jr. is not the Dynasty 101 come next summer. So, um, yeah, I'm running a, a huge risk here by putting him on your team in this mock. I'm going to lose the poll in dramatic fashion. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, great player. Very excited. Very excited to watch him this year and see what he can do in a bit of a different situation like you said Um, and obviously if you want to hear more about what we think about Marvin Harrison Jr. and you haven't caught our our wide receiver summer scouting episode definitely go check that out because I think we talked about him for like a solid 20 minutes (laughs) yeah definitely and yeah you can go back and there's it's on the YouTube it's all time stamped it's on Spotify time stamped so definitely check that out my question to you and this is this is a, a good content question for a okay. way 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 too early. Bring it on. Where does Marvin Harrison Jr. rank 
amongst dynasty wide receivers. Oh, we're doing this, huh? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do this. Um, well, I mean, it's a valid question because as dynasty folks, we are always looking way too far ahead. <laughs> and if you are sitting with 2024 picks and they seem like they're going to be high, you may be thinking what is the value on this pick? What is this sort of player going to hold in value if we can assume it's Marvin Harrison Jr. Without looking at a list in front of me, I think he starts out. I will be very, very conservative and say top eight dynasty wide receiver. Okay. That's conservative. <laughs> that was, if that you want me to, high. if you want me to push some chips into the middle of the table and get a little weird here, I also would not be shocked if he's top five within the community. Because that's just what happens nowadays. And after the Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, AJ Brown cluster, who am I missing? So I'll I'm gonna go by ADP. Okay. I'll just go down the list. So it's Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, C D Lamb. Okay, yep. AJ Brown, Garrett Wilson, Tyreek Hill, Amon Ra. Jalen Waddle, Stephon Diggs, Cooper Cup. That's the top ten. Yeah. So I then I feel good about it because I think yeah. he he will push Wilson for five. I mean, we'll see how this season obviously goes for Garrett Wilson, promising player, but it's you know it's a different situation here with the level of talent yeah. that's coming out with Marvin Harrison Jr. and you know how we love talent and yeah. we will we will swing for the fences no matter what. I mean, Gary Wilson could have two 1200-yard seasons under his belt and we'd still be picking Marvin Harrison Jr. most likely. So Man. Well, I mean, looking at the list, I I, I top 8 feels pretty fair. Like yeah. I I was like, "Oh, top 8, that's insane." But I mean, you know, if if everything pans out as we expect, I could see that happening. Well, I mean, guys like Garrett Wilson, Drake London, when they came in, they were starting around 14-ish, like yeah. somewhere in that top 15 range already. So, yeah, I mean, it's he's, he's a young player. He's got that. He's got the generational stamp. He's going to have extreme NFL draft capital behind him. I mean, it's everything you could ask for, really. And right situation will just boost it up even more. Yeah, and, and we will get there. There will be plenty of chances to talk about the situation but we we won't pretend to know anything <laughs> about that today uh so let's move on to number two and this is where it gets weird because i deferred because i wanted to turn in a card here that says brock bowers is going second overall because i teased this we talked about it on the tight end episode but for me this player's level of talent is so extreme that I feel very comfortable taking him in the number two spot in this draft because there's a precedent here with Kyle Pitts. We've already done this as a community. We've already drafted, you know, the unicorn tight end at number two overall. Well, how about, you know, a few years later, we got another one. You know, I don't know how that happens, but we're getting another one. And like I said a few weeks ago, 
there could be a case that he's an even better prospect than Kyle Pitts. We will see, you know, as we get through this season and all of that, what it ends up looking like, but there's going to be a case for that. And there is nobody else on the board right now that excites me in the way that Brock Bowers does. And that's why I am comfortable taking him at the second pick of this draft. So Kincaid, Laporta, and Musgrave have all been getting rave reviews out of camp. And there are people saying, oh, maybe this is the class that changes the tenor of the rookie tight end conversation. And obviously, there's some, you know, it's just camp. But, you know, we're projecting out this far. What if what if they do? Then we're looking at Brock Bowers, and it's like, man, rookie tight ends don't stink. You know, we just had three of them last year. And now we're looking at Brock Bowers' easy number two. And let's not forget, because everybody does forget this, Kyle Pitts had 1,000 yards as a rookie tight end in the did NFL. He? <laughs> he sure did. did. God, you you so wouldn't think ago. he did. No. You sure wouldn't think he did. If you troll the forums and check all the talking heads of the fantasy community, but he did. And so that was a very impressive and almost unprecedented, nearly a record uh, yardage total for a rookie tight end and a player that was 21 years old when he did that. Um, so Brock Bowers. Touchdowns. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, that's, you know, then, then there's that whole nugget. It's, we can't ever be happy. That's the whole point here. <laughs> but yes, Kyle Pitts had a very good rookie season. And this crop that's coming in, I mean, we talked a lot about this last year. We were very excited about the tight end group coming in. Like you said, all reports so far are good. We will see what happens when actual football is played. I don't think it's going to be, you know, as cut and dry as it seems like it, it it's being made out to be from the camp reports. But um, I do expect that at least a couple of those players are probably going to have some pretty good seasons for rookie tight ends. And that's going to be enough momentum for people to see a player like this in Brock Bowers as a, you know, a nearly flawless tight end prospect uh, coming into the league and thinking, you know, okay, let's try this again to get that ultimate X factor at the tight end position. Yeah. I think that'll only help the, the, the steam behind the Brock Bowers name. I mean, obviously we know, that Brock Bowers is worthy of the number two pick. Like nobody's going to bat an eye if you take him at number two. Uh, But I feel like people have been burned by tight ends and high drafted tight ends and high ADP tight ends over and over again. It might make them a little more hesitant to pull the trigger. I mean, Kincaid, good situation, high draft capital, not, not as high as Pitts, not, probably as high as Bowers, but still is it was sitting around seven, eight, nine in the first round. Uh, but I think that Bowers is going to push the top half easily of the first round. And number two, I could easily see in if these rookie tight ends hit or even one or two of them look good on a consistent basis. I think that's just going to be more of an argument to take the guy that is far more talented than the guys of last year. Yeah, and I mean, like the 
the Pitts year through the season as it was like gaining steam his season was was you know amounting to something really special it seemed like it was going to be like the writings on the wall here for this to be one of the best tight ends we've ever seen in the draft dynasty mocks had him at seven eight i mean yeah. people had no idea what to do with him until you see him go fourth overall in the draft and then suddenly it becomes how can we ignore this yeah. I think you're going to see a very similar thing with Brock Bowers because I think he is undeniably going in the top 10 of the upcoming draft. And like I said on the tight end episode, I don't think it's going to be close to 10. I think you're going to be seeing another situation where this player is pushing top five, if not fitting into the top five of the draft next year. So, Especially with the gap between him and every other tight end in this class. Yes. Because I don't think there's another tight end in his stratosphere nope not even close right now so all right we have marvin harrison jr and brock bowers off the board colin that puts you back on the clock at number three at number three i will be selecting my rb1 which is raheem rocket sanders Uh, so i mean sitting at three Getting the, I mean, there's not a consensus RB1 in the class. I think Sanders is probably the closest to consensus, but there's a lot of differing opinions. It's not a cut and dry class as it was last year and in years past. Uh, But I'm confident in Sanders. I love his play style. You know, I, I think that he has upside as a pass catcher and he is a pure, pure runner. So, uh yeah get rocket sanders off the board at three get my rb1 and my wide receiver one off the board and i'm feeling pretty good yep first running back off the board here at three that doesn't always happen too often but um like you said grabbing your rb1 and you know it's not my rb1 but that is one of the beautiful things of this class is that We are heading into the 2023 college football season with a collection of really talented running backs, and we still aren't exactly certain as to what it's going to look like uh, come the end of the season and going into the draft process. Because unlike last year with B. John Robinson, um, and even to a degree, Jameer Gibbs, I mean, it wasn't as cut and dry as it was when he went 12th overall in the draft, but... I mean, I, by the I end of the year, can't believe that. <laughs> yeah, I know <laughs> by the end of the year, he had sort of separated himself a bit in terms of, you know, very clearly the RB two and going to be a very high pick in dynasty rookie drafts this year. We don't have any of that. We don't have those. Like, we have a lot of names here. We don't have guys that have seized anything. We don't, you know, we could see a situation where, you know, number five, even, uh, a guy like Travion Henderson, who was number five for me and going into the year, ends up being number one in this class like he was supposed to be two years ago. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of potential here with these running backs, but there's not a lot of answers right now. And Raheem Sanders, uh, number three, your RB1 player that runs uh, surprisingly elusive for his size and also has that pass-catching upside, like you said. Looking to see him run with a little bit more power for his frame this year. Uh, that is what that's that's his you know gap to fill as we enter this season. But um, yeah, 
getting your RB1 at number three is not a bad situation. Yeah, I'd also – I mean, I'd like to see him catch more passes because, yeah. like, you you see some, like, flashes, but their offense is just not built around that. So I'm not expecting to see him catch more passes, but it would be nice to, you know, lock in the idea that you have in your head. Like, you know, I think he can catch passes. I'd like to know for sure that he, you know, has the full ability that he can run more than just a screen and a flat. I'd like to see a little more, but I, it's it is Arkansas. It's probably not going to happen. And you see it. You see it on tape. We talked about that. You see a sense of IQ and nuance that this player has in the passing game. It's just that those targets aren't always coming his way. So, yes, I agree. It would be nice if we could put that. You know make that a real slam dunk where he puts up some bigger numbers. You can say to yourself, okay, yeah, this is going to be a pass catcher at the next level as well as a potential featured back. And that's honestly a perfect segue, Colin, into who I'm taking at number four, because I'm taking my RB one at number four, and that is Trey Benson. So literally what we just talked about with Raheem Sanders could say the same thing about Trey Benson in terms of pass catching player that has everything you want out of a receiving back. It's just that they didn't throw him the ball much last year. So, I mean, he's a deadly player in open spaces. Would love to see them work that into the offense more this year. I fully expect that they will. We've talked about how loaded that Florida state team is this year. We're going to see a lot of Trey Benson this year. We're going to see a lot of Jordan Travis doing some crazy things, I think. So be nice to see him get involved in the pass game more. But as a runner, this was the best player in terms of a running back that I saw in this class leading up to the 2023 season because he is just simply impossible to get your hands on as a defender. He is one of the most elusive players I've ever watched PFF backs that up. He is the most elusive player they've ever graded. So uh, he's he's coming in with a little bit of steam now. There's a little bit of buzz now behind this name, um, and I'm very excited to watch him this year. Yeah, I'm super excited to watch him. And we we have the 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 YouTube poll of Trey Benson on on the channel. You can go check that out for the full breakdown. But I mean, like I said on on our running back episode, he lo- he runs like he's made out of rubber bands. Like <laughs> yeah. people are bouncing off of him, he is just bouncing back and forth. Like the the cuts that he makes without losing speed is just incredible. Like it, it, he's a fun player to watch. So I want to see him put up some some gaudy numbers this year. I want to see him just be the feature of this Florida state offense, him and Jordan Travis running that, that zone read and then, you know, working in that passing game. And I want to see this running on uh, all cylinders, but uh, until then we'll, we'll temper the expectations a little bit and I'll just enjoy the, you know, little bursts. And it's like, Oh, finally we're getting some Trey Benson involved. Man, I just hope this Florida State thing like comes to fruition because <laughs> you know it's it's a team that's not been what it was a few years back, the last couple of years, and now there's this crazy roster, offense and defense. Um, 
I hope it, I hope it happens. And it's, yeah. it's only going to make this whole conference realignment even more weird when it's like, what's Florida state doing? Because the ACC is not, it, that's as much in flux as anything else, even though the, yeah. the pin hasn't dropped yet. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see. All I can hope for is that we get to watch the guys that we expect to be good and hopefully they live up to those expectations because there's yep. quite a few players on this Florida State team that we've mentioned throughout our rankings episode. I think we've mentioned quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and IDP. I don't I don't think we mentioned a tight end. No. Uh, but every other episode we've had uh, a player of theirs, and in two of the episodes we've had a number one player with Trey yeah. Benson and Jared Verse. So – uh, definitely a team that we are honed in on and, and paying a lot of attention to. 100%. All right, let's keep it moving. Pick number five. I'm very curious what direction you're going to go. I have a guess, but let me have it. I'm curious which direction I'm going to go. Uh, <laughs> so um, I'm going to go with Emeka Ibuka. Okay. I'm going to take Marvin Harrison's teammate. We're going to have a little chemistry on our team here. A little baked-in chemistry. So uh, my wide receiver, two in the class, he – I mean, there's not a ton that I haven't already said about Ibuka, but he is the perfect complement to Marvin Harrison Jr. And the he was a revelation for Ohio State last year after losing JSN because his, they lost his dynamic slot weapon in JSN, this technician. And then in comes Emeka Ibuka doing the same thing and a little more explosive, a little less technically sound, but I mean, what he lacked in the, the technical aspect versus JSN, he made up for with explosion and speed. And so, uh, I, I mean, I'm really, really excited to see Ohio state. And uh, I said it on that wide receiver episode, I'm, I'm making it down for that game. It's going to be a primetime game in madison and i'm gonna do what i can to get to that game and see these two guys work in person yeah i i this is exactly what i would have done here um at the end when we get through the the picks here we will share our top fives heading into the season in terms of our own boards uh emeka egbuka is number four right now on my big board so um yeah a player that i was just enamored with coming out of the wide receiver scouting portion um wasn't even necessarily expecting it obviously this is a player that has a huge recruiting background this was a player that i think many expected to be the next great wide receiver at ohio state well i mean he's he's a great one but he he's getting overshadowed by his teammate the number one pick in this draft marvin harrison jr but that does not take away from the talent that Emeka Egbuka has uh, on his own right. So, um, yeah, very excited to watch Ohio State and these two guys work this year. Uh, I think they're going to make themselves a lot of money next spring. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I I cannot wait to see the tandem. All right, number six. We're going to go back to running back here. This, this is a really close call for me because there's another player that I do want to take here, but I'm going to take Braylon Allen right now. 
this was my RB2 uh, as of right now, a player that there are questions that he definitely needs to answer this year, especially after what was a little bit of a down year as a sophomore last year for Wisconsin. Um, but I think with the excitement around that program right now with Luke Fickle, the new offense, and a ton of new players, a lot of talent coming in there, I think it's just really going to open things up for Braylon Allen, and I think he's going to get to show a lot of what he has uh, beyond what we have seen in two really, really productive seasons uh, already under his belt as a player who is 19 years old this year will be 19 for the entire duration of the 2023 college football season. So that is insane. Uh, and I'm going to take him here at number six in this draft. Yeah. The, this is who I was between with it's, I was thinking about, do I go running back and, you know, double up and get my top two guys because Braylon Allen's my RB two. Or do I get my top two receivers? And I, I do have Igbuka at four as well. And then I have Braylon Allen at five. So that was my, my tiebreaker, actually. So, uh, man, for the first time in a long time, I'm excited to watch the Badgers. And it's kind of sad to say that, but at the same time, it it's very nice to have, you know, the team that you've rooted for your entire life have a fun uh system you know to run and they're not just pounding your star player into the line of scrimmage over and over again which is what they were doing with Braylon Allen uh so hopefully the you know renewed offense can bring Braylon Allen some better looks and then make it a little easier to root for the team and number zero rather than only number zero so right uh, yeah, uh, hopefully the pass can inform the run a little bit, and then we can see a little bit of electricity come out of this this season for uh, Braylon Allen. Maybe he can push his way up the ranks a little bit. I definitely think he could. And like I said about this running back group, there is fluidity here. Mm -hmm. This is a player that could make a huge push by the end of this year if all breaks right for him. So Agreed. All right, pick – Number seven, Colin. Did we just hit a little bit of a weird spot in the draft, or is that just me? We hit a weird spot in the draft. I mean, right now I have two guys that I'm between. Um, and I think I, for the for the clicks, I'm going to take Caleb Williams. <laughs> I, I'm, so I'm trying Does, to win doesn't need to be either. for the clicks, because that's exactly who I would have taken in your <laughs> shoes. I, I'm trying to win the poll here. You know, you get Marvin, you get the Rocket Sanders, you get Caleb Williams, like Luca. I feel like that's a good argument to have. So, I mean, Heisman winner last year, uh, chip on the shoulder, going to try to, you know, he's going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. Uh, he's going to be the one-on-one in Superflex. And uh, get him at seven here, I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, so – he is number seven on my big board right now. And that is about as high as I will put a quarterback with our scoring. I mean, we are one quarterback, but one quarterback plus, meaning passing touchdowns are six points and interceptions are negative three. That ends up resulting in top tier elite quarterbacks being actual 
you know, weapons, valuable assets, even in a one quarterback environment. Seventh overall is about as high as I will go with a quarterback. And that's where I'm putting Caleb Williams, because I think the talent is absolutely special. I do think this is a special player that is coming out here that will be the number one pick in the NFL draft next spring, undoubtedly. Uh, and whatever team he goes to, he will elevate that franchise immediately. So, uh, yeah, I'm very excited to get this player, if I can, in the middle of the first round next year because I think that's where he should go. What do you think uh, is going to be the narrative, like the, the anti-Caleb Williams narrative? That's what I'm wondering. Because um, we, know, we know we're going to hear it. Yeah, I mean, I, I tried to get ahead of it. I think you, you could hear size, but I don't even know if <laughs> – I don't even know if the media could push size on Caleb Williams. Cause like it was right. easy to push it with Bryce young, obviously. Yeah. This is not the same situation. Like he's not six, five, but he's not sub six feet. And right. I don't think it's an issue at all. And I'd be surprised if people try to make it an issue, but I don't really know what else you can pick at other than if he has like a, turnover ridden season somehow like playing you know playing his Mahomes style ball if he ends up kind of turning that five picks into 10 picks this year somehow which I don't think is going to happen but if it does happen then yeah okay maybe then it's oh is he turnover prone can he get away with this at the NFL level that kind of stuff that's pretty much it and I because honestly Patrick Mahomes desensitized a lot of people from this sort of player, because when Mahomes came out, there was a lot of criticism about the way that he played despite his arm, despite, you know, the flashes on tape. There's a lot of wariness about, you know, can that style of play work in the NFL? Well, we've seen it work now and it's very hard to look at Caleb Williams and think to yourself, is this going to work in the NFL when we know that it definitely can? Yep. I, I agree. And I, I think, uh, Maybe you could hear an attitude thing where people are like, oh, yeah. he's, I, I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff out there. <laughs> you're you're in the editorial room right now. Like, come up with something to, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, we can knock on. Caleb Williams down. Yeah, uh, he's getting, you know, too much love. We'll find out. Yeah. We'll find out what it's going to be because it, it will happen, no doubt. Yeah. All right. Number eight. I am on the clock here. Okay. We're going to have a conversation right now okay. because my rankings have already changed. All right. From summer scouting from the a few weeks ago, <laughs> because I went back on a couple of players after our discussion about wide receivers, because the tone of our discussion around a couple of the players didn't really seem to match up for me. I walked out of that episode thinking, wait a minute. I think I like Malik Neighbors better than Romo Odunze. And so I'm going to take Malik Neighbors at number eight. So for the uninitiated, I had Rome as my number three receiver and Neighbors as my number four. But I remember having a lot more criticism about Odunze, and I think it's fair right now. For me to say, I need Odunze to show me more 
than it is to say I need neighbors to show me more because neighbors showed us a lot last year. Yeah. And I think right now, as we head into this college football season, I think the path for neighbors to be the number three wide receiver in this class is a little bit more clear. Now, that being said, Odunze is still my number four receiver in this class. I think he has a huge ceiling and I think he's in for another big year. Um, but I did flip flop. So thoughts on that, Colin? Uh, you know how I feel about Rome. Um, so I I appreciate that you're keeping the rankings flexible because that's where we are at this point in the season. I mean, nothing should be set in stone already. Yep. <laughs> and so, you know, going back and watching and making decisions and all that I, I think is – good and i i think malik neighbors is really also good so i i think uh this is a this is a solid pick for you you're I telling that me you're we gonna... don't we don't need to plant flags in early <laughs> august and like die on this hill already i see some people might say that you have to but uh that this is not the the podcast for you because I believe that you're allowed to change your opinion based on information that you gather. And I think that uh, this is a wise choice. That being said, I thought you were going to go in a different direction because mm. uh, I have a, a little bit of a ranking change too. But we'll get Ooh. to that in a minute. Okay. Well, now I'm excited to hear. But um, I guess a little bit of why other than just, you know, Rome's got some stuff to work on. Neighbors... The more you watch, I think, when we talked about how his role evolved over the course of last season, where he was, it was a lot of sit-down routes early in the year. He was running a lot of hitches, a lot of stuff where he was just catching it and going down. As the season moved on, they got him into open space more, and they got him working down the field more, and his game exploded. Uh, as the season progressed. So what I see in neighbors is a player that can be very threatening after the catch that can threaten deep, but also has the chops, the framework of a really, really good route winner. So I think he's coming into this season of college football on the fast track to be an NFL favorite wide receiver, because he already has a lot of the tools that are very coveted in today's NFL. Um, and, coveted in fantasy a player that you can easily project um I, you know i'm gonna invoke a name here it's not a comp uh i'm gonna say the words cd lamb as a player who had that sort of a game where you could say okay wow this guy's crazy after the catch uh and look where he is now you know we're talking about top five dynasty wide receivers earlier he's currently sitting at number three um so Neighbors is the sort of player in that in that type of a vein of a wide receiver, um, and so that's really exciting to me. I I think Neighbors has a lot of upside, especially as like you said, a, a route runner, a route winner. Um, he's such a smooth player, and in this, I see my problem is Jaden Daniels is throwing him the ball. And I don't like him as a player. I know that he's in the, the Heisman talks and all that. I'm not a fan. But he got better as the season progressed as well. Uh, and I think that had to do with a little bit in the change of what Neighbors was doing and a little less of the focus on Kayshawn, honestly. Because I think early in the season, yep. there was a lot of trying to get seven involved. 
and that didn't end up working out and then you move on and make neighbors the focal point and put them on more creative schemes and routes and that kind of thing and then he kind of explodes and becomes your number one so as with him being the number one all season i'm sure we'll be seeing some pretty electric things out of that out of him all right you teased it i gotta I know pick number nine who are you going with well, I got Travion Henderson here, Ooh. and I, I thought that that's where you were going to go. I thought you were going to say that you revisited Henderson and, you know, it, the, the injury maybe skewed things a little too much on the running backs episode because that's kind of how I feel. I feel like his, you know, his, his freshman year, it was such a impressive season. And then last year it was a little so-so, but it wasn't bad but it was injury riddled. And so coming back, if you expect health, then you could be seeing some upside here. And we've been talking about the fluidity of the top of this running back class. And if Henderson has a good year with this Ohio state attack that they have, and everybody may be focusing on, you know, Marvin Harrison and Emeka Buka, and then, you know, the other guys that they have coming up this ladder, whoever else Brian Hartline turns into a top 15 NFL pick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you you focus so much on that passing attack, and Travion Henderson gashes you. And so you could very well see uh, explosion out of Henderson, and then he could jump up this ranking just like anybody else. So we talk about this fluidity and upside and who is – you know, who has the chance to finish up in the top half of the first round in terms of ADP. And I think Henderson easily has that opportunity. And a guy that we expected to be the RB1 at the end of 2021-22 is falling down the board now. And so I'd like to stop that fall, pluck him out of the air, and put him on my team. Yeah, it's a savvy move. And it is something that I thought about when I was constructing – my top 12 heading into this season um, because initially I had Travion Henderson slotting in at number 12. And that just felt a little bit weird to me to see that a player like this is teetering on a first round pick right now. Now, that being said, there, there were tons of caveats and there are tons of caveats. And I think a lot of people are in the same boat where you have these very different seasons to to go off of. 2021, I I mean, I said it myself, if we're looking purely on his 2021 film and slotting that into, okay, what is the best tape that you can show me from this running back group? He is number two, maybe number one. Like, that's that's the ceiling here. I think the foot injury is it's just something that we need to see it not be a factor. Yeah. We need we need yep. to see it not affect him in the long term. We need to see that explosion come back. We need to see him, you know, do some of those sorts of things, get involved in the pass game like he was as a freshman. Um if all of those things come back this year, yeah, we're talking about this player top five in this draft probably rather than top 10 where he is right here at number eight um, or number nine, actually. So, um, but yeah, it's just a, it's a player that is very much a wait and see in the same sort of sense that a lot of these running backs kind of are, but this is to the most extreme degree 
uh, because of what limited him last year. Yeah, and uh, so I think there's something to be said about like youth and injury recovery and all that because – I mean, you you think about an NFL player who gets, you know, a foot injury and then they're hampered for the rest of their career or a knee injury and it, they're done, they're cooked. And you think about these guys in college. I, the one the the first one that comes to mind is like Nick Chubb, whose knee like exploded when he was playing for Georgia. And then you have these concerns and now he's like the best running back in football and hasn't had an injury problem since he came into the NFL. And I, I I know it may, might be apples to oranges with, you know, the knee injury versus foot injury and this or that. Nick Chubb is a freak of nature human. So, but all these guys kind of are. So, uh, I have I have confidence in uh, Travion. I think I'm getting a little bit of an injury discount here. Yeah, I think so too. So, all right. Number 10. I just gave my I waxed poetic about, you know, people can change. I put neighbors over Odunze, but I'm taking Odunze at yep. number 10 yep. <laughs> because he, I might have bumped him down, but I didn't bump him down far. Um, I still am very excited about this player. Um, like we talked about on the wide receiver episode, it's just a guy who he projects in a way that the stats don't necessarily represent at this point. So you talk about flashes at the catch point, but doesn't have a strong contested catch percentage. Talk about flashes after the catch for a bigger receiver, but doesn't have a ton of yards after the catch. So I think seeing more of that put together in a full body of work this year could help him quite a bit. Maybe that even, you know, bleeds into why he went back to school. Maybe there were some, you know, talk about an NFL draft grade. Maybe some of those things were lingering around and turning him more into like that day two type. He thinks he can be a round one player cleaning some of that up. Um, So, and I hope he does because you talk about, you know, the frame, the athleticism, the production, it's all there with Odunze. Um, and if we see him kind of polish some of those more um, untuned areas, then we're talking about a really, really good wide receiver here uh, at number 10 in this draft. Yeah, I was excited about Odunze coming into uh, twenty the 2023 draft. Oh, God. Yeah, the 2023 draft because I was yep. hoping he would declare, and he ended up not declaring. And so I was like, well – or planting our flag, Odunze, wide receiver two in the 2024 draft. Uh, and then you revisit the tape, and it's like, oh, well, I mean, Ibuka yeah. is a freak, so can't do that. Uh, but Odunze is my wide receiver three. Um, you can, again, hear my thoughts on the wide receiver pod, the full breakdown, but I, I love him as a player. I think that you're right that he needs to become more consistent in the things that he's good at because uh, – you, you see the flashes and it's like, man, this is one of the best wide receivers in the nation, yep. but they're flashes. It, it's not consistent. It's not happening all the time. And uh, I, I compared him to like Jahan Dotson where he has that combination of the, the sudden route running and then also catch point ability, but the numbers don't exactly tell you that. And the, the tape doesn't tell you that because he will sh- like have 
one of the most impressive catches you've ever seen one play. And then, you know, the next one is just not happening. So uh, I think this is appropriate. I have him at number nine in my rankings. Uh, so, I mean, this is just about right, right? In the bottom half of this first round towards 12, he, you know, tier four kind of area. So, uh, yeah, I feel, feel good about this. Yeah, it's almost – isn't it kind of – a little I, th- I think we could see like Quentin Johnston's arc comparable to like what Romo Dunze will be if those areas don't if we don't see correction in those areas yeah because and, but the, the the main difference between those players is that Odunze had 1200 yards last year and Quentin Johnson came into last year with 600 yards as his best total. And he had just over 1,000 yards last year. Um, But Odunze has already put that elite production on tape, but I do wonder if he will get a similar treatment if the contested catch stuff still doesn't show up, you know, great in terms of the numbers. You know, obviously Quentin was the, you know, quintessential big yak threat. Um, but Odunze has potential to be a little bit more of that traditional X ball winner type of a player, I think, based on his game. Um, but I could see, I could see the arc being similar and I hope I don't turn on him by, by next spring. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. It, there's been a lot of people in the, the Quinton Johnston camp being like, Oh, does this look like a body catch? Yeah. It's like, okay. Well, and then I did see a clip of him going up, going and, up for the 50-50 ball yeah. with the bread basket, you know. Yep. But yeah, whatever. I th- I hope he's a great player. I feel like the the knock on him wasn't the body catching; it was winning contested catches. But that's besides the point. Anyway, we don't need to relive. <laughs> I need to relive it because people are rewriting. What the yeah. criticisms of Johnson revisionist? Were. It's revisionist history. Yeah, uh, but Odunze does have a similar thing where it's like he's not going up and plucking that ball out of the air as consistently as possible, even though you see it every once in a while. I think he has much better hands than Quentin Johnson. Yeah. All right. Number eleven, your final pick of this twenty twenty four way too early rookie mock. Who are you going with? Okay, there's two guys left that that are first-rounders, in my opinion. Same. And I am going to take Blake Corum. Was he one of your two? Tell no. Me. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you wasn't. So, so I'm leaving somebody off of your board. Yeah, there's two guys I have left. All right. Uh, so Blake Corum, I revisited also. And I I feel I was a little unfair to decorum. I was I think I called him, you know, boring and like you know, he it's kind of fine. But he he's a he's a really good player. And I, I think he turns uh bad into good really frequently. And so I, I just feel like he's gonna be a really solid NFL back for a long time. And I I think that the floor is very high. Uh, the ceiling still is a little iffy. And I just think that he turns 
nothing into something all really often and his lower body is like a special the way he shifts weight and explodes and pops into different holes that you're like whoa how'd you get there and maybe it only turns into three four yards but it could have been negative one so uh the guy that turns nothing into something i i like a lot so i'm going with blake Horam here yeah i mean i think there's something to be said about floor players just generally not being as appealing because you know we talk about it i mean he's an incredibly high floor runner but the ceiling is questionable it makes perfect sense then that he ends up being a back half back quarter of the first round sort of a player in this draft class and i think a team it i mean obviously we don't know if this is how it's going to shake out for real but in this scenario it makes a lot of sense and a team sitting here you know 11 12 playoff caliber teams potentially adding a player like Corum is a jackpot i mean it's a slam dunk assuming you know all the all of it goes right situation he gets a path in yeah. a vacuum it's a great situation to be in because i think you're getting you might not get a ton of, you know, longevity here, but I think you're getting three to four years of really, really nice running back production with Blake Corum at the NFL level. Um, and that's that's perfect for, for this spot of the draft. Yep, I agree. And I, I think he's one of the – like, he breaks a ton of tackles. Which yes. I, you just can't – pass up like that that is an extraordinary ability for a, a running back to have but I think that people are a little over their skis on Corum I think there's people that have him as their RB1 RB2 and I would pump the brakes a little bit on that but I I do think that at 11 it's a no-brainer yep all right well you didn't make my decision for me but I am going to listen to my board and I'm going to take with the final selection of this way too early 2024 mock Drake may quarterback. See, the thing is I talk about Caleb Williams being, you know, my seventh player pretty much just as high as I would rank a quarterback. I have may at 10 because I think the, the gap between the players, talent-wise, is not huge. I think Caleb is – like, I, I think he's much better in the sense that, like, I don't have any, like, debate on, like, which one of them is the quarterback one. But with the level of talent that Caleb Williams is, it says a lot about Drake May that he is, like, in the same stratosphere in terms of a NFL quarterback prospect for me. And he has the rushing upside, which that's a big deal here in fantasy. Yeah. So I think a player like this who has amazing arm talent shows you that he can be an NFL passer, no doubt about it, but he can also do it with his feet as well. I think that's a very valuable player. It's a player that will be a first round pick, even in one quarterback leagues like this. Um, and yeah, I'm taking them right here at number 12. Yep. This is, uh, the guy I was debating between. It was going to be him or it was going to be, uh, Corum. So I, I think this is 
uh, I mean, the perfect spot for him. Getting your quarterback at the bottom of the first, he's easily a top two player in the NFL draft, I think. I mean, like you said, he's got the, the rushing upside. He's deadly accurate. I mean, he's got the size that Caleb Williams lacks. I mean, to Caleb Williams, just a little guy. So, you know, Drake May, on the other hand, you know, he's got the stature. He's got the, the arm talent. He's got everything you would want out of a fantasy quarterback. So getting him at 12 to, to close out the way, way too early 2024 draft is definitely uh, a nice, a safe pick too, because he's going to be a high draft pick. He's going to be in the league, hopefully a long time. I mean, with the talent that he has and, He's going to get a lot of chances, <laughs> as we've seen out of these high-picked quarterbacks. I mean, Sam Darnold is still in a camp battle to try to start for the 49ers. Baker Mayfield is in a camp battle to start for the Tampa Bay. So these guys don't go away very easy, even if they're not very good. So uh, no matter what, I feel like you get a little bit of that security. So the other player that I had in my top 12 was Jared Verse. Ooh. Was that rich to put yes. verse over quorum? I like one it. might argue. Yeah. I just really like the player. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I wanted him to be represented in no, my top I, I like that. I like that. I I I wouldn't put him over any of the guys that we mentioned, but I I appreciate that you you had him in there. All right. So that's the draft. That's a fun little way to look at the body of work here. Now, talking just purely, we're coming out of this thing, summer scouting in the rear view. Top five. This is what we started with last year. This was episode one of season one of Camp Dynasty. Give me your top five heading into the 2023 college football season. Okay. Uh, Five, I have Braylon Allen. Four, I have Emeka Ibuka. Three, this is where we'll differ, I have Brock Bowers. Two, I have Raheem Sanders. And one, I have Marvin Harrison Jr. And we're pretty similar. I have Braylon Allen, number five. Emeka Ibuka, number four. Trey Benson, number three. Brock Bowers, number two. Marvin Harrison Jr., number one. So we are heading into the season here. A kind of a similar read on this class. The running backs, unsurprisingly, is where we differ because that's where a lot of the fluidity is, like I said. Um, and that's just going to make it all the more exciting when we get into college football and see what these players have for us. So um, we aren't starting college football, though, for a few more weeks. So what, what the hell are we going to do? Yeah, what yeah. the hell are we going to talk about here? Well, we have are a we few things. Are no there are no breaks there are no breaks here we have a few things lined up i will not spoil next week's episode mainly because it is a timing based episode and if the timing doesn't work out then i'm gonna have to eat my words and i don't want to do that so next week is going to be a little bit of a surprise but what you need to know is that it's going to be player focused it's going to be exciting we might talk about some new names even guys that we haven't talked about through summer scouting ideally that's what will happen Um, So we'll get an even 
wider look at the 2024 group of campers as we get closer and closer to week zero of college football for this year, Colin. So, um, yeah, we're going to keep plugging right along. Absolutely. I mean, we're just getting into the thick of it, baby. I mean, way, way too early. Uh, we, we get into this, we get through our top 12, you know, lay out our top fives for the people to see, get, get the stuff up on the socials and and see how people are feeling about it. And, uh, then we, we keep on trucking into the college football season as it draws closer. So I can't wait to, to see those guys lace up and step on the field, uh, one last time in a semi-normal college football season until, next year comes around and it gets all fucked right and hey let us know we want to hear your top fives we want to hear why our top fives are terrible we want to hear which players we're missing Top fives are great (laughs) i want to hear why brock bowers has no business being number two overall in this class right now let us know your thoughts on this group because it is august and there are no hard answers right now we are all in this thing together so you can do that by heading over to our Twitter page, our X page. I guess I have to call it that because it's just going to get more and more confusing as time goes on. Um, that is yeah, at I, camp our underscore. pornography page. Yeah, yes. yeah, be careful with that on the safe <laughs> search. But uh, at camp underscore dynasty there. Also at camp underscore dynasty on threads. That's a work in progress. We'll, we'll get there it. eventually. Um, but also check us out on TikTok at camp.dynasty and uh, if you want to get a look at that bottle of Bijan Mustardson, check us out on YouTube. Subscribe to our page there. Video feeds of the pods go up every single week. So Yes. We had some tactical issues with the IDP one, but it's up. It's up. We're it's good up. now. So, yeah. yep, you can hear us gush over Jared Verse. All Absolutely. is right in the world. So Damn right. But, um, all right, well, let us know also who you think won this mock draft i think i already know because that's on. usually how it goes but uh we'll put a little bit of a poll up probably on that so i can just eat my l uh, officially but as always thank you for stopping by camp dynasty this week we'll see you next week Go for Colin.